boy chair up here. And I guess, you know, I love the Lord. That's number one. I love my wife, number two, family, three. Uh, and then work is supposed to be, I think, number four. But really, for me, it's my lazy boy chair. Can anybody identify with that? Like, do you have a lazy boy chair at your house? And you love that thing. This thing is magical to me. This chair has always been magical ever since we ever had one in our home. And the awesome thing about it is I can sit in this lazy boy and amazing things happen. Like after I've had a long day at work or maybe I've done some yard work, maybe I've played really hard, I can sit in here and magical things happen. Like I begin to rest and the whole world around me begins to disappear. I mean, it goes to nowhere when I sit in that. And the real amazing thing is when I do this right here, I can't hear anything or anybody. My wife will holler at me. My kids will be fighting in other rooms, whatever it is. And sometimes if there's something really good on the TV, nothing else is happening except me and the TV and my lazy boy. It is so nice. Sometimes I just like dream, maybe I could just be in this lazy boy for like ever, like never get out of this lazy boy because this just a, just a comfortable feeling. It's encompassing of just luxury and like nothing else is happening. And sometimes people will be like, hey, hey, what are you thinking about? And I can say nothing. And I really mean I'm thinking of nothing. This chair is magical in the fact that I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to stress about anything. I can sit in it and just relax. Isn't that nice? But here's the danger. I'm afraid that spiritually, many of us have gotten into the lazy boy chair. Many of us have sat in, spiritually speaking, we've sat into the lazy boy chair and said, oh, isn't this nice? I don't have to think about the outside world. I don't have to think about what's happening around me. I don't have to listen to what's going on. And so spiritually, we sit down in the lazy boy chair and we begin to live the lazy boy life. Now, where do we get this idea of living the lazy boy life? I want to look at Judges chapter 13. When you look at Judges chapter 13, the children of our Israel are settling in the lazy boy life. They've gotten comfortable with where they are, and we're going to look and see why that is wrong. But as we turn there, let's go to the Lord in prayer and just ask the Spirit to speak of, to us if we're in the lazy boy chair of life. Father, we come to you this morning. I pray, God, as we begin to study your word and we begin to look at it, God, if we have gotten comfortable in our spiritual lives, God, may you wake us up this morning. God, out of your grace for us to experience more than what we're experiencing now. God, would you remove us out of the chair and get us out of the comfort zone? God, maybe there's reasons that we've settled in there. And God, that you'll reveal those this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word that speaks to us and gets us to the place where we experience the abundant, joyful life that you have promised. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as you're turning to Judges chapter 13, we're going to look at some other passages before we get there. But there's something that you need to know about the book of Judges. The, the book of Judges is just a repeat cycle, and you really see it in the book of Kings as well. So if you want to know an outline for the book of Judges and the outline for the book of Kings, here it is for you, okay? The children of Israel are in a right relationship with God. Right relationship with God. 
They go on with a right relationship with God for a time. After some time, they begin to abandon God. They forget God, and they begin to worship idols. So right relationship with God, then there's a rebellion against God. So God being a loving father doesn't let them continue in their rebellion. And what he does is he sends other nations in to discipline them. And as these other nations come in, they become oppressed by these other nations. They become slaves to these nations. And many times what happens after their slaves are being oppressed by the foreign nations, that's how God was disciplining the children of Israel. Once he disciplines them, the children of Israel are like, oh my goodness, this is terrible. This is absolutely horrible. We can't stand being oppressed any longer. So they cry out to God and God hears their cries and he sends a judge or a king or a deliverer to the nation of Israel. And many times they're crying out like, God, we'll never leave you or forsake you ever again. We'll never get comfortable. God sends a judge or a king to deliver them. And once they're delivered, they're now back into a right relationship with God. Once they're back in a right relationship with God, what did we say happens? They rebel against God. Then God sends discipline. After God sends discipline, the children of Israel cry out. After they cry out, God, has, God sends the deliverer. Once the deliverer is there, a right relationship with God. It's a cycle over and over. I want you to catch this. I'm not insulting your intelligence here, but let's just look at it in Judges chapter 3 so you'll be able to catch what I'm saying. Judges chapter 3 verse 7 so the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, what happened before they did evil in the sight of the Lord? They were walking in a right relationship with God. So the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and Asherahs. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Cushon Risham, king of Mesopotamia. There's the cycle, right? They, did, they were walking right with the Lord. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord sends them underneath the care of the king of, of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Cushan, Risham, eight years. When the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them. The children of Israel who delivered them, Othaniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. So you have the cycle right there. And actually, as you go through Judges, most of the time, you're just going to see that repeated over and over and over. And when you get to 1 Kings, you're going to see that repeated over and over and over. Because right there, we saw it in Judges chapter 3, verse 7 through 9. They walk in a right relationship with the Lord. Now look what happens in verse 12. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord. What's going to happen, guys? I know you haven't read ahead, so what's going to happen? They did evil in the sight of the Lord. What's the Lord going to do to them? He's going to punish them. He's going to bring the discipline, right? Let's see if it continues that pattern. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. Then he gathered to himself the people of Ammon and Amalek, went out and defeated Israel and took possession of the city of Palms. So the children of Israel served Eglon, king of Moab, 18 years. Spoiler alert, what's going to happen? What happens? The children of Israel are going to cry out. Let's see. But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them 
Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man by the children of Israel, sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now, I could walk us through this over and over and over again, but you guys have it, right? You're understanding that there is this pattern in the book of, G- uh, the book of Judges. Obvious pattern that happens until we get to Judges chapter 13. Now, if insanity is truly doing the same thing over and over and getting the same results, the children of Israel are in a cycle of insanity because they keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. They should kind of catch it at this point. If we rebel against God or we distance ourselves from God, judgment's going to come. We're going to cry out. God's going to send to deliver. We're going to be in a right relationship with God. But look at Judges chapter 13, verse 1. Judges 13 verse 1 says, Again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. So they sin or do evil in the sight of the Lord. Now what's interesting is if you go and look at Judges chapter 13 verse 2, you'll read, and it's, I don't know if it's going to be on here or not, but 13, it just goes on, Now there was a certain man from Zorah, And the cycle stops. So look at what happens in Judges 13. They are doing evil in the sight of the Lord, which means they're worshiping foreign gods. They're bowing down to gods. They're intermarrying with the pagan people of that area. So the Lord does what? We've already figured this out. We're smart enough to know at this point. Okay, if the children of Israel sin, what do we think is going to happen next? God's discipline. So God sends these Philistines over to the children of Israel. Now, these Philistines actually lived between Egypt. Remember, the children of Israel were slaves in Egypt. God called them out through Moses. They went to Israel and became in the land of Canaan right here. The Philistines lived somewhere in between Egypt and this land of Canaan. And so these Philistines, God raises them up because Israel is being disobedient. So God says, hey, I need to discipline them. So the Philistines are raised up. They go into Israel. And here's the thing that the Philistines do. When it says that they oppress them or they enslave them, they encompass them, whatever it is that you want to use there. When they go in there, basically, if they see a beautiful woman, they take them for their wife. If they go in there and it's during the harvest season and there's corn or there's wheat or there's barley that's growing, the Philistines are like, hey, we'll take some of that. Thanks for uh, plowing this ground. Thank you for doing all your work. We're just going to take some of that. If they're walking through the community and they see somebody with a nice donkey, a nice horse, they say, hey, we'll take that with us too. And they take it back to their home. So they become in bondage or slaves to the Philistines. This is happening for over 40 years. Imagine for 40 years, somebody has come into your house and taken anything that they want, including your wife and children. Wouldn't you be a little upset about that? I can tell you guys didn't catch what I just said. Imagine somebody walked in your house for the next 40 years and took anything they want. Would that make you upset? Absolutely, it would make you upset. Would you stand for it? Or would you just kind of become comfortable with it? Here's what's interesting. Rewind Israel's history during the period of Judges. What is that cycle? They do evil in the sight of the Lord. After they do evil in the sight of the Lord, the Lord sends a nation or a country to discipline them. What did we not see 
in Judges chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. They didn't, oh, somebody's listening. They didn't cry out. In between Judges 13, verse 1 and verse 2, the pattern has now been broken. The cycle is now broken. You'll see it later on as you continue in the book of Judges. But in Judges chapter 13, what happens here is the children of Israel sin like they have sinned in the past. God sends the Philistines on them. The Philistines go in and take for 40 years anything that they want to take from the children of Israel, and they don't do anything about it. They don't cry out to the Lord at this point. After 40 years of being oppressed, it's kind of like the children of Israel said, you know what? We just keep messing up. We're not living out God's plan. We're just going to sit here and be oppressed by the Philistines. It's bad, but it's not as bad as it could be. At least I have an ugly wife and ugly kids that aren't very strong, so they're not taking my wife and kids, though they're taking my neighbors. Well, at least they let me glean the fields after that's done. At least I get to keep one cow. At least I get to keep one goat. They settle for less than what God has for them. After 40 years of being oppressed, somewhere in the 40 years, we should have read in Judges chapter 13, the children of Israel got tired of sitting the comfortable lazy boy life and stood up and began to cry out, but they never cried out because they were in a place of complacency and apathy and they never cried out to God. And so they're stuck in that place in Judges chapter 13. Now, why is this so terrible? The reason why this is so terrible because it was never God's plan for Israel to get comfortable in the chair and be comfortable with Philistines coming in and taking from them their land, their food, their crops, their women, their children, anything that they possibly wanted. What was God's plan for them? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 1. When the Lord your God, this is before the children of Israel ever get in to this land of Canaan. When the Lord your God brings you into the land which you go to possess and has cast out many nations before you, the Hittites, the Gergashites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, seven nations greater and mightier than you, and when the Lord your God delivers them over to you, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. You shall make no covenant with them, nor shall you show mercy to them, nor shall you make marriage with them. You shall not give your daughters to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons, for they will turn your sons away from following me to serve other gods. So the anger of the Lord will be aroused against you and destroy you suddenly. But thus you shall deal with them. You shall destroy their altars, break down their sacred pillars, cut down their wooden images, and burn their carved images with fire. For you, now catch this. This is what God is telling the children of Israel. This is my plan for you. This is what I desire for you. This is what you are to be. For you are a holy people. You are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a special people for himself. A special treasure above all the peoples in the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all the people. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, 
The Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Notice what the children of Israel are supposed to be. They're supposed to be a conquering nation. They're supposed to be experiencing victory after victory after victory in their life. They're not supposed to have people coming in and taking from them. They're supposed to be gaining from everything that God is giving them. They're to be a conquering nation. They're to be a holy people. What is holy? Holy means being separate. It means being different. Unlike anything else, they're to be a holy nation. And yet they're living like the people around them. They were a chosen people. God set his love on them, not because they were great, not because they were mighty, but because of his character and his nature, he was reaching out to them and loving them. They were to be a treasure, a treasure. Like God wanted to pull them out and say, look at this. It's rare. It's beautiful. It's unique. There's nothing else like it. God wanted the whole world to look at that nation of Israel and say they are, they are different. They are separate. They're not like anybody other nation. To be a treasure. They were to be a redeemed people, a people that had been bought out of Egypt. Why did, they, why did God buy them out of Egypt and bring them out of Egypt? Because he did not want them to be slaves to anybody or anything. And yet here we read for 40 years, they were what? They were slaves. To the Philistines. Were the children of Israel experiencing everything God had for them? Was the children of Israel being everything that God intended for them to be? Were the children of Israel experiencing a victorious life or a conquered life? Were they slaves or were they free? So as you look there in Judges chapter 13, 1 and 2, we begin to read the nation of Israel is nothing like God designed them and created them and purposed for them to be. They become complacent with life. They've sat down in the lazy boy chair and said, okay, so this is just the way it is. There's nothing that I can do about the circumstance or the situation. Even though history had told them over and over and over, if they cried out, God would hear them and send them a deliverer and that they could have a right relationship with him once again. But they're just sitting in the lazy boy chair of life. Now, it's easy for us to be critical, right? To look back at history and say, why? In Judges 13, verse 2, it should have said, and the children of Israel cried out, and God sent them a deliverer. But before we get too critical this morning, I'm curious, how many of us are sitting in the lazy boy chair of life? How many of us are truly actually experiencing the joy and the peace and the abundant life that God has for you and me? How many of us are truly experiencing victory day after day after day? How many of us are experiencing taking new land? How many of us are acting like a people that has been holy, treasured, chosen, set apart, redeemed by the blood of Jesus? How many of us are actually living that life? Or how many of us have sat here in the easy boy chair of life and said, I don't know, this is just the way it's going to be? Still enslaved to the sin that surrounds us. 
You see, if many of us were honest, we'd be able to say this morning that we know that we're in the lazy boy chair of life. God is calling us into a ministry to do something different with our lives, but we sit back and say, man, that's going to take a lot of work. Do you know how loud those kids are? Do you know what being at church 15, 20 minutes early to start a new ministry? Our church has never done that before. What if people laugh at me? I'm going to stay in my comfortable chair. Do you know how many people that we work with, how many neighbors we have, how many family members we have that we know because of our scripture that they are lost and going to hell? And rather than sharing the gospel with them, we sit back and say, well, I sure don't want to be persecuted. I sure don't want anybody making fun of me. So it's a lot more comfortable, spiritually speaking, to just sit here in my lazy boy chair. And what about that sin that we become slaves to? I've repented of that sin over and over again. It's like my boomerang sin. I repent of it, I throw it away, and it just keeps coming back. If you're still dealing with that boomerang sin, guess what? God wants to give you victory over those things. What is it in your life that has you in the lazy boy chair of life? Why are you still sitting there? Why are we not crying out to God and saying, God, I am sick and tired of being comfortable in my spiritual life? Has there been a time where you were closer to God than you are right now? Can you look back at your life and say, man, there was a time where I was so much closer to God. If you can say there was a time I was closer to God, look and see if you haven't sat down in the lazy boy And just kind of sat back and said, okay, I'm just going to wait for life to come to me rather than proactively getting out of the chair and beginning to pursue the victories and crying out to God and living the life that he has designed and created for me to live. You see, scripture tells us to wake up, to get out of the lazy boy chair of life. Does God have more for you than you're experiencing? Does God have more for your personal life than you're experiencing? Listen to some of the scripture that tells us to get out of the lazy boy chair. Romans 13, 11 and 12. And do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep For now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the work of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. You ever fall asleep in your lazy chair? And you kind of wake up and like, whoa, where have I been? That may be what's happening in your spiritual life right now. Let Romans 13, 11, and 12 be that thing that comes up and says, hey, It's time to wake up. It's time to live out the calling that God has for your life. Look at 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Vigilant means be aware, be alert, be ready for anything. Don't let the enemy find you sitting in the chair. You don't have to watch National Geographic very long before you realize that anything that is sitting or asleep is a much easier 
attack than something that is moving and living out. You get in the lazy boy chair, that's where Satan just be kind of comes up behind you and he starts whispering things into your ear. God's forgotten you. God doesn't even care. God's okay with you over here on the sideline. Hey, you'll never get out of that sin. You'll never get out of that bondage. It'll always have victory over you. First Peter tells us, be alert and be of sober mind. Your enemy seeks around, seeing whom he may devour. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It may be time for you to get out of the chair because the enemy's had too much work while you've sat there. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. For you were once in darkness, but now you are in light. For the Lord walk as children in light. The fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Sitting in the comfortable, easy boy, lazy boy chair of life, that's darkness. Don't have fellowship with that. Don't get comfortable spiritually not doing anything. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Awake, arise, get out of the lazy boy chair of life living. Are you experiencing everything that God has for you in your life? Now, here's what I love about, and this is what we should love about Judges chapter 13. You read Judges chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. The children of Israel do evil on the side of the Lord. When the children of evil do evil on the side of the Lord, God delivers them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. And then it goes on this story. A certain man of Zorah named Manoah from the clan of Danites had a wife who's childless until unable to give birth. Do you know who that son is that they give birth to? Anybody know who who whose parents those are? Samson. And if you begin to read in that story, in the rest of chapter 13, you begin to see how God uses Samson to deliver the children of Israel from the Philistines. But here's the thing that's interesting to me. When the children of Israel did not have the sense to cry out to God, God moved anyway. When the children of Israel were comfortable and complacent in the easy boy chair of life for 40 years, God said, I'm tired of this. I'm going to move on my behalf. You see, this morning, you may have come here not realizing that you should be crying out to God. You may have become so apathetic and so comfortable in the lazy boy chair that you don't even recognize the need that you have for Christ. And so you haven't even recognized the need to cry out to him. But just like in the story of Samson where God moves in and his grace begins to move in the life of Samson and in the life of the children of Israel, God begins to do a mighty work. And it may be that you're here this morning because God wants to do a mighty work in your life. You didn't come here this morning to get out of the lazy boy chair of life, but God is speaking to you about where you are spiritually. For some of you, you may be here and it may be that you're sitting in the lazy boy chair of life and you've heard the gospel over and over and over. You've heard the fact that you are a sinner that falls short of the glory of God. And during that time, God sent his son Jesus to die for you. He was buried. He rose again so that whoever believes him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You may have heard that thousands and thousands of times and never done anything about that. 
And this morning, God's saying, you know what? I want you to get out of the lazy belly chair of life, and I want you to recognize your sin, and I want you to recognize your need for my son, Jesus, so that I can have a relationship with you throughout all of eternity. Is God speaking to you about that this morning? For others, God is beginning to speak to you and saying, hey, it's time for you to get out of the the sidelines and watching in the stands. It's time for you to get in the game of ministry and begin to serve others. For others, it's going to be those lost people in your life that don't know Christ as Lord and Savior. And God has put you there as salt, light, and a fragrance. And it's about time for you to wake up and begin to recognize their spiritual condition. And as you begin to recognize their spiritual condition, you begin to share the good news about Jesus Christ. It's time to get out of the lazy boy. We're going to have a time of invitation. And invitation is this. Invitation is inviting you to respond to what God is doing in your life. We don't know what God's doing in your life, but you and the Holy Spirit does. And as the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life, and the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you about the areas of your life where you have sat comfortably in the lazy boy chair life, would it be this morning that you'd step out and say, okay, no more living like that. I'm crying out to God, and I'm going to experience the abundant, joyful, peaceful life that he has for me through his son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to stand at this time of invitation, and I'll be down here at the front. I'd love to talk with you about those things. If you recognize today that you need to step out of the lazy boy chair of life, there's a decision about Jesus that you need to make. We'll be here to talk with you about those things. Let's just give this time of invitation to the Lord, inviting him to speak to us and respond to that. Father, we thank you so much for this day that you've given us. Father, if we're in a place of complacency or apathy, God, may you begin to speak to us even during this time of invitation. God, that we would be woke up, that we'd recognize our enemy has taken territory from us and they seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. And maybe today is the day that we get out of that chair begin to live the abundant life that you have for us. We thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.